0: Welcome. Oh, you will definitely go beyond your limits today as we talk to author Cynthia Sue Larson. Good morning, Cynthia. This has been quite an adventure getting you on today. (laughs) Good morning. I'm so glad to be here. (laughs) Let me just give you a moment of introduction so people know that they are listening to a highly trained, highly educated, and well-authored individual. uh, Listeners, you are going to be intrigued for the integration of science psychology, spirituality, the coalescence of so many aspects of your life coming together so that you can truly go way beyond just the ordinary interactions you have with the material realm and know that actually you are having interaction with the quantum and material realms of life. Cynthia Sue Larson is a best-selling author. She's a life coach and inspirational speaker, and you can access her at realityshifters.com for life coaching and for wonderful conversation. What about? About quantum physics principles as they are related to the way you live your life, both in the very deep, profound spiritual components and investigations of life as well as everyday life opportunities to manifest. She's an author of Quantum Jumps, an extraordinary science of happiness and prosperity, which is the focus of our talk today. But other books include Reality Shifters, Aura Advantage, Karen Kimball, and Aura Healing Meditations, I'm just giving you partial names, and we will have those on our site so you can look those up. But again, go to realityshifters.com because you are going to be
1: blown away. So blow
0: us away, Cynthia, too, if I set you out here. we
1: <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Yeah, well, my, my main interest in talking with you today and talking with everybody who's listening is to let us um, raise the bar of what we consider possible when we contemplate the ways that consciousness literally changes the physical world and that's really the basis of all the work that I do. So it's yeah. um, the, the new book that I've got is Quantum Jumps. This is the fifth book that I've written and in it I document some of the research that I've conducted over the last 15 years. Um, i conducted two surveys 10 years apart which had a lot to do with the way people are recognizing um, the changes in it, the, the way that the world reacts and responds when we have various thoughts and feelings in the form of synchronicity with 93% of the population, and this is hundreds of people that were surveyed reporting, yes, they have witnessed synchronicity in their daily life, uh, 80% finding parking spaces when they really need the most, and 70% noticing things actually disappear. They'll put their keys down, come back, and their keys are not where they just put them, and there's no one else around, no other possible explanation of what might have just happened. And then their keys often reappear, often right where they were supposed to be in the first place. So I'm, I'm just mentioning some of the most common, most typically observed types of what I call reality shifts, which would indicate actually that you've made basically a quantum jump, and that's what I'll be talking about in this hour, is talking about the way that we move between possible worlds of reality um, so that the quantum realm where you may have heard words like superposition of states, you may have heard of entanglement, you might have heard of coherence, and maybe these things make sense, maybe they don't, but what I'm proposing today is that all of these phenomena that we expect to see, and we're gradually coming to terms with on the quantum scale, if are very, very small, we will also be witnessing all of these things in our regular daily lives on what's known as the macroscopic scale.
0: Well, so now, listeners, I, I want you to put on your hat as a physicist, because even though you don't know that every day, training as a physicist and you interact with the normal ordinary aspects of of, of physics, electricity, electromagnetics, gravity, force, movement, et cetera, et cetera. The normal understanding of the structures of atoms and molecules. But Cynthia, so you're taking us into quantum physics, which has been popularized, and I appreciated what Dr. Larry Dosti warned you about, and yet you take it away from being popularized into back into the science and the science of, of, of five different aspects of quantum mechanics, let's just embed ourselves in understanding those elements first. You mentioned entanglement, teleportation, tunneling, coherence, and superposition, so the listeners can know that what you're about to propose on a, on a much bigger level is grounded in our current research, and, and it has been around for over 100 years anyway, so we're, this is nothing new. It's just new to the populace, but it's being expanded. So help us understand these concepts to a functional degree.
1: Okay. Well, sometimes it it seems like it's a difficult thing for many of us that have been schooled. Um, Not now, because right now the kids that are coming up and working with Minecraft, for example, are actually working with quantum building blocks, and that's tens Mm -hmm. of millions of kids on the planet right now playing with quantum physics they will be our future quantum programmers with the quantum computers that are coming. And that some say are here right now. So um but but for those of us that, that aren't playing with Minecraft and don't have a clue what that is and you know, it's like what are you talking about? <laughs> well, I know, I know. Yeah. Well then then these quantum phenomena that you're talking about, this um superposition of states and coherence and entanglement, quantum tunneling, quantum teleportation, these strange sounding words have to do with just what it's like to be a quantum particle. And so it's like another world. It's like when we look through a microscope and we can be amazed that we can see things that are much smaller. And for the first time, when you look at cells and you look at um, living organisms under a microscope, it's just amazing. It's like a whole new world has opened up. And physicists do something similar when they work with um, high-energy physics and using colliders. People may have heard of the large... Hadron Collider that's located in Europe, and um, the reason that these huge, monstrous facilities are required in order to look into the realm of the very, very small, it's kind of like a monstrous, huge um, <laughs> microscope, actually, but it's, for physical um, exploration, it's necessary to work with um, just enormous energies to break things apart and be able to see what's going on in the very, very small realm. I know that just sounds crazy but but what it gets no, down to no. is um these these tiny little particles you know, most people know about molecules and they know that molecules are composed of atoms so water for example is a molecule made of um hydrogen and oxygen H2O so it's you know you've got one oxygen and two hydrogens and and then when you look inside of a hydrogen atom then you'll see that it's got an electron and a neutron and a proton and so and then when you look inside of those little things that's when things um start getting really tiny and and that's where things get interesting so quantum particles are basically particles that are quantized so they're capable of and people might not know what that means either um but basically it's just no okay. looking at things being um in just real it's just like quanta would be like numbers like 0 and 1 and 2 so they're discrete numbers, they're kind of like they can be on or off, they can be up or down, they can have spin. They have um, a lot of characteristics that are very black and white, which might seem like the whole realm would then be very black and white. It's just on or off, it's, it's you know, yes or no, but actually not. Um, <laughs> this work, gets interesting. Uh, there have been a number of experiments that have shown that these very tiny quantum particles, it's, you might think would be very orderly and very organized, and they are, but they they work according to a very different kind of logic than um, most people are schooled in when we're um, raised in Western schools. Most of us um, are not familiar with things being both yes and no, both um, on or off. And, And this is what's known as that superposition of states. A quantum particle is capable of being... And people may have heard of this being pure energy, being like a wave instead of a particle. And a lot of people that are listening right now may have heard of the double-slit experiment, uh, which shows that um, when you take quantum particles, like photons are a good example, and you have uh, these two slits set up with a screen in the background, and the photons are being fired so that um, they would go through you know, one or the other one of the slits, and then... Um, You you would expect if quantum particles are like particles that they would leave, they'd be kind of like bullets being fired through little slits, or or maybe you're flinging golf balls through a shooting machine, but some kind of particle that would then collect as particles would, leaving a pattern that shows clearly they went through one slit or the other. Um, However, um, that only happens when you've got a particle detector on one of the slits or both of the slits. Otherwise, what tends to happen is a diffraction pattern, much more like if you were putting two slits in the ocean and then just watching what happens when waves go through them. And you'd see that the waves um, kind of break up. They begin new wave forms when they go through the slits, and those waves um, create this this um, interference pattern of constructive and de- destructive waves. So the superposition of states refers to the fact that quantum particles actually can interfere with each other, and even more strangely to a lot of physicists, they can interfere with themselves. So if you fire one photon through those two slits, and if you don't measure which slit it went through, you will get a diffraction uh, pattern on that screen. You will not, instead of seeing, like, oh, it definitely went through the left slit, or it definitely went through the right slit, you'll see, no, we don't know what happened. There's a so this interference pattern on the screen from that one photon, and so the superposition of states is a fundamental property of all of reality, and it's uh, in other words, it means that as many physicists are now agreeing, you and I and everyone and everything in this universe, or as some people would say, multiverse, um, and this is why we exist in a superposition of states where simultaneously. On the show right now, and we did it an hour ago um which is a very real <laughs> possibility to some of us <laughs> <don't make> <laughs> <I> mean, just, <laughs> yeah, for people, thank you for people that are that waited for an hour to join us today um and yeah. for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, maybe the show went on exactly as scheduled and, and that's the kind of thing that we're talking about um exactly that and then, in another case, um uh, if you've ever heard of people that have Spontaneous remission from disease, that's the kind of thing I'll be talking about, that it's very much like a quantum superposition of states. You can imagine that in one reality you're sick, you're catching a cold, and in another one, just through force of will or what have you, you recognize I can't get sick right now. I need to be well right now. A lot of people have had that experience, and they're nodding and they know what I'm talking about. Like, wow, yes, I've done that. I have um, just willed myself out of a cold. I felt it coming on, and then I just pulled right out of it. So that's one of these interesting little properties and how it relates to us. Another one has to do with coherence, and this is where this is kind of like when you take a bunch of quantum particles and or a quantum system is what it's called. Then all parts of that system they they are in such perfect synchronization with one another. That you—it's um, just a feature of—it's a property of a quantum system where amazing levels of efficiency occur. It's like the entire system seems to have a consciousness of its own, and it operates as a as a sort of an entity unto its own. Even though, um, strangely, it, to us, it might seem like there's no way that we would see that any organization should be occurring, but never, nonetheless, we are finding that apparently there is this kind of quantum coherence certainly in plants which are being observed to um co- to do photosynthesis at astonishing levels of efficiency and when we look at it mathematically we can confirm that you know um fo- the photonic process of photosynthesis is definitely what's known in mathematics as a quantum random walk so there have been mathematicians that have taken a close look at this and observed that's exactly what's going on and, and also it looks like possibly some other organisms are doing you know the same kind of thing you know working with that level of coherence that really brings a system together so it's coordinated so it's not as separate as you might think that it was And then quantum entanglement um, is different it's not exactly the same thing it's often spoken of in the same breath or the same sentence as coherence um, but actually, entanglement is a correlation of different measurement outcomes. It came from the word, and this is in German. I'm t- going to try not to butcher it, but it came from "Verschränkung," which um, and that was uh, coined by physicist Erwin Schrödinger. People know of him; um, they might have heard of Schrödinger's cat, and I'll get to that in a minute. But um, that that phrase, or it's um, a word, "Verschränkung," it, it comes with the idea that when you really have everything that you need to know about a whole system, even though you think you have as much information as possible, it doesn't necessarily include knowledge of all of the parts, even when these are totally divided from each other and do not influence each other at the present time. So this is addressing this entanglement then is a property of interconnectedness in which you can observe that quantum particles which might be separated by a distance of meters, um, sometimes miles, and sometimes just great distances. And this has been observed recently in laboratory conditions. They move simultaneously in synchronization. And that's just extraordinary. So what that means is you could do a measurement on one of the entangled particles. And as you <clears throat> observe it by interacting with it, firing something at it, measuring something about it, you'll get a spontaneous, simultaneous Response from the other entangled parts of that system. So, if one is being measured with a spin up, the other ones might be measured as spin down, for example. Okay. And moving on to the other phrases that you mentioned, this is a big question, so I'll, I'll try to speed it up. I hope we haven't. <laughs> I hope people are still with us. You know,
0: just to, just to take a pause, listeners. This is actually very important for you to listen to these five components, even though you may feel it's over your head because it's not. Because this is all related to all the spiritual dimensions that you have ever considered, or even all the domains of consciousness, like quantum consciousness is really um, leaped, uh, leaped upon these particular ideas. It's related to your ability to develop intuition, synchronicity, remote healing, astral projection, remote viewing, telepathy. Uh, it, and that's just on um, the super-spiritual aspect of things, and we could go down that list. But it's also related to manifestation and intentionality and just everyday being aware of what thoughts and emotions you have are actually interfacing with the subatomical world of qu- of quartz or quantums. And I hope I have said that correctly for very yeah, to really correct good.
1: me. No, no, and that's, great. A, a, that's uh, great. Go ahead. And, and you're right, exactly. When I talked about superposition of, you know, that quantum superposition, and i also added all of us uh, actually are in a superposition of states this is really the growing consensus of physicists you know who get together at conferences and talk about these things and and i the, the example i mentioned of spontaneous remission as being part of superposition of states that's a really important one for people to know is possible so when i talk later about things including the placebo effect and so forth you can understand that there's the possibility for each one of us to select which reality we're existing within, because much more than our physical bodies, we are our consciousness. And you're right, when I'm talking about coherence, that ties in with synchronicity, which is what I just said um, a vast majority of people experience. 93 to 95% of the population regularly experiences synchronicity. And then moving on to this idea that we were just now speaking about entanglement, this gets into intuition when you know that you are simultaneously connected with um, other members of your family, uh, friends, loved ones, and just pretty much everything that you care about. You can consider, wow, maybe I'm entangled with everything I love, everything I'm in, I really care deeply about. Maybe that's a way that I can sense this is through my emotions, through love, and and like you said, the this very mystical side of things. You know, absolutely. Which brings us to the next couple of things. Maybe I'll talk about teleportation next because this one does have a tie-in with daily life for a, uh, maybe not a majority, but certainly for a lot of people. And quantum teleportation is a term used to describe the instantaneous transference of properties from one quantum system to another without physical contact. You might wonder, well, Cynthia, how can anybody experience teleportation? <clears throat> In my book, I describe through history, some of the people that actually have experienced teleportation, you know, children in Italy were teleporting here, there, and everywhere to the point their parents were having trouble keeping them in the house, and um, in many parts of the world teleportation is not considered impossible, so in my opinion, I think it happens more often when you haven't ruled it out, but the people that when I surveyed them, the kind of teleportation they were reporting the most often was was traveling farther in less time, it was the situation where they got into a car, starting on a, maybe an eight- or ten-hour journey, driving cross-country, um, but somehow only a few hours passed and they arrive at their destination, much to the surprise of the people that were waiting for them and also to themselves, just wondering how on earth do they take an eight-hour trip in just a few hours. And This is, um, this is much more common than you might think. Uh, you might think it would never happen, but actually... I've gotten dozens of reports of this over the years, and it is something that people do report is happening You know, much more than you might think. And then the last one that we're talking about right now is quantum tunneling. I want to cover that too. This is a very important thing because I believe it's happening every day for all of us on a level that we're not usually conscious of. What it, what it consists of is a, this quantum tunneling is a quantum mechanical effect in which particles have this finite probability, that's that quantum thing again, that they can cross an energy barrier. This kind of barrier might be, for example, breaking a bond with another particle, um, and that might be happening even when that quantum particle's energy is less than the energy barrier. So it's sort of like, that's why the word tunneling comes in. It's almost like that particle is here one minute and then there the next. It's just... um, so something can exist on one side of a barrier and then exist in an energy wave form and then be observed on the other side. And what I mean by this is happening for all of us all the time, though we're not conscious of it, this ties in with um, Dr. Luca Turin's work, which I mentioned in, in Quantum Jumps, and the fact that actually we are smelling with electron tunneling, which um, in years past, years gone by, there was a model of the key in the lock, so that, for example, if the smell of sulfur came into the air, then that would be a molecule of sulfur which your nose would pick up, and that sulfur molecule would make a connection with a receptor in your nose which had um, you know, sort of like the square peg goes into the square hole. The sulfur molecule shape goes into the sulfur receptacle hole in the nose. But that's been disproven. Um, the lock and key model is not correct. And we've been able to prove that based on the fact that sometimes when things have the same shape, they have different smells. This would be the case of hydrogen and deuterium. When you switch those around, then you can take a certain molecule, which has, um, for example, acetophenone. Um, I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but it's a long one. It's acetophenone molecule. And basically, that particular one has, you can swap out the hydrogen um, configuration and replace it with deuterium. And people observe two different odors with those two different um, molecules, which gives a lot of credence to Luca Turin's model, which is very different. And he's the the man that has been studying smell and fragrance for years, and he came up um other scientists have also replicated this and come up with the same thing, such as Jennifer Brooks. Um, she calls it the swipe card mechanism, and she, she's uh, studied it at the University College in London. And basically what's happening is the molecule would then enter a nasal receptor, and just the presence of that scent molecule has an energetic vibration, uh, vibrational effect on um, the the electron that was waiting in that nasal receptor. And so the electron, is thus, as soon as it recognizes, wow, there's the energy of that smell molecule, this one has deuterium, it smells different than the hydrogen one, Um, then it jumps, it makes that that leap, that electron tunneling, crossing that barrier to the other side, and it's at the acceptor unit. And suddenly the smell is received by the human being. That's all of us, every day, smelling things. It's the most basic component of our brain actually and this is all thanks to quantum electron tunneling very much more like a swipe card that you'd, might, you might know, pr- run your credit card through when you're making a payment rather than a lock and a key that's
0: interesting I'm going to call that the URL <laughs> if I type in a certain URL I get something specific if I make a mistake I get something specifically different oh yeah um, <laughs> That's funny. Okay. It's <laughs> my loose interpretation. Okay. So these this is a wonderful introduction and please, folks, you must digest and set aside some real cognitive high power time to read Cynthia Sue Larson's book, Quantum Jumps. Um, Cynthia, I know that we could go so many directions with this manifestation, intentionality, um, everyday consciousness. Uh, we could go into the quantum consciousness. I guess, uh, and then we can go into the deep, mystical, higher function um, capacities. Again, those individuals that are consciously doing remote viewing, consciously doing remote healing or healing or telepathy or astral projection or mediumship and talking to the dead and impacting the past and the present and near-death experience, post-death experience, consciousness, I think I'm going to give you the choice as to which you are going to take us into because the truth is is no matter what the listeners are listening to, it's pertinent to their life. And as soon as we leap consciously into recognizing that these things are true and therefore we can seize hold of what they mean for our life on an endless amount of capacities, talents, and interfacing – that the listener is left with saying, Wow, I, I have so many tools here available to live life on so many different vast levels of life. There's really no limit which is associated to one of the key
1: questions you always ask in all your YouTubes, which is How good can it get? How good <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And I just attended a conference where that came up. So I um you know, this concept of good is one that the philosophers have mentioned and Plato believed there is such a thing as absolute good and that as you um, go up these levels of consciousness, you actually go to a higher level of goodness where science makes sense at a different level than it ever would have before. I was just at this amazing conference where Jacob Needleman was describing these levels of consciousness and he did such an amazing job. So I'm just mentioning that because it comes to mind as you're talking about it. And so when I'm asking how good can it get, I really am inviting people to climb that ladder of consciousness, go up a few levels. You know, you don't need to be down at the lower rungs on the ladder of goodness where, for example, you might be thinking like, well, you know, what's going to go wrong next? That, That tends to be what a lot of people look for. They ask, you know, like, okay, two things have just gone wrong. Now what? You know, what next? And so it's kind of like expecting that bad things have come in threes. But we don't need to bring ourselves down to that level. We really can focus, and, and science bears me out on this. You can improve your life by focusing on what's working well, and, and I, I bring up lots of different scientific studies in the book Quantum Jumps to um, back that up. You know, to explain for for people that are skeptical, and I understand why they might be. You know, it sounds too good to be true, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we've been trained to be skeptical. We've been trained to be cynical. But that's not where the quality of life is best. So, mm-hmm. and, and that's why I present so much science in this book. Um, but I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. You wanted me to take oh, you on you a didn't. journey. No, uh,
0: you're, the, you're the keynote <laughs> <laughs> you know, presenter. You know, I think that we have lived um, our consciousness on a level that is congruent with what science has been aware of, gravity, magnetism, electrical forces, things like that. And as we began to be conscious of electromagnetism, dot, 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 and all of that's really to. Now look at all the devices that we have, that we use every day, that have taken those, those forms of physics and applied them to our everyday devices and our life is vastly different than 50 years ago. My goodness, I still remember when we didn't have computers. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, so, so here, where is this going to take us, even on our material level, in the next 100 years, once we truly embrace the practicality and everyday function of this? And I think um, you have a quote in your book where one man says, you know, one day we're going to say, nah, this isn't true. And another day you're going to say, well, that's curious. And the next day you are going to say, oh, that's boring. Of course we knew that. And I I think that we're in the curious phase of things. So walk us down how we embrace this in our everyday life, both as a high-level mystical and as the – that we are – and as the – Every day I've got to clean the kitchen because <laughs> we're all right. of those things. What do we got well, there,
1: Cynthia? Well, it's already starting. When I mentioned that children playing games is how it's going to change the world, I, I really mean that. So that, that game Minecraft I was mentioning, um, I think that's the name of it, It's 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 helping children understand that you can play with these little bricks, these quantum building blocks, and they have properties of superposition of states, entanglement, quantum teleportation, quantum tunneling coherence, in you know, all of these qualities. And so children are starting to understand by playing with um, these toys, like you might play with building blocks or tinker toys, Lincoln Logs, you know, Legos, that kind of thing. Now they're playing with quantum building blocks in these little imaginal worlds. This is a huge thing. <clears throat> so it's not too, it, you know, if you like playing with kids' toys, go get a copy of Minecraft and play with it. You know, And, and it's going to get only better. I think this is a pretty crude, rudimentary beginning for showing how to use quantum things, quantum principles. But um, like you said, our entire world is about to be transformed. And I believe, as usual with humans, it's through technology, Um, just like when fire changed our world and the wheel changed our world and uh, mechanization changed our world. So we've gone through many ages, you know, from Stone Age to Bronze Age, We became mechanized and we started working with the industrial revolution and entered the industrial age. A lot of people believe that we're um, leaving this information age right now and moving into something else. And lots of people have different names for it. I'm recommending that we consider calling it the quantum age because this is um, the age really of the quantum computers. And whether or not you believe that D-Wave 2 computer that just came out um last fall actually is a quantum computer. And I, I would say, yes, I do believe it is. It hasn't passed all of its tests just yet and you know, there's still skeptics about it. But um what what I mean is we now have a computer that uh Google and NASA Ames paid ten million dollars for, which is quite a vote of confidence to install in the quantum artificial intelligence lab called Quail here in California. And right now You can go to the QUAIL website, you know, to quail.com, and I think that's the name of it, to check it out. It's the Quantum Artificial Intelligence Laboratory. And they'll tell you what they're working on right now. And and I think this is one of the best ways to kind of get an idea of, wow, our world really is about to change, because most of us are so used to computerization with the classical computers that move forward with bits and bytes and zeros and ones and black and white uh, we're, we are now entering the quantum world, where we don't just have true and false, but we've got true and false. That that's actually a third category, and the fourth category is not true, not false. It changes our way of thinking, and it changes our way of recognizing that we exist in that superposition of states. That you might um, you don't need to make a decision until that time that you have to make a decision is forced on you. That's a way to do some quantum optimization. You can hold off on making a choice. Hold off until you really get that full intuitive sense. You've received all that entangled information from your intuition. You've gotten that coherent feeling of love from those around you. And you're able to fully embrace a sense of knowingness of what's best. This is what plants and animals are doing. Plants are doing this when they photosynthesize. You know, they're solving that rush hour traffic problem all the time, you know, taking sunshine and instantly, perfectly converting it to energy, uh, as if that little car drove through New York City at rush hour perfectly, never having to stop at a red light, never getting stuck in a traffic jam, nothing ever going wrong. And, And plants are doing this, so you can be sure that we're capable of it too. So it's just a matter of us learning what is nature doing that we're just now starting to figure out. How is it that nature can be that incredibly efficient? and this is going to affect everything it's going to affect our sense of right and wrong in in the sense uh, not in, in terms of good and evil that's pretty i would say that's pretty clear but it would change our view of <clears throat> for example what sequence of events just occurred um when we realize we exist in a superposition of states um then that that little bit of doubt becomes a lot greater so it's a lot harder to say that you can you know, say say that, for example, in a court of law, say that somebody did something for sure, because there's an increasing possibility that reality might be very different than what um, you and I might think it is. In other words, we're seeing evidence of different alternate histories, and it's not just for those people that have had spontaneous remissions, but sometimes people remember their own childhoods differently than other members of their family. And and what I'm proposing is that this is the same phenomenon at work with the placebo effect, that we're witnessing it lots of different places, but we've so far never put this one concept together to be able to look at all of it and say, okay, this makes sense. This is why when someone dies, their consciousness still feels like it's here because consciousness is the one thing that you can't really kill. This is what, what I'm entangled with is the consciousness of my grandparents the consciousness of my loved ones and that's how they can still have an an exert quite an effect in our lives sometimes in physical ways you know so this addresses some of those questions you were asking about you know what about these other areas and you can see the implications of moving into this quantum way of viewing the world is just mind-boggling it affects everything you know from history to law it's already affecting our sciences you, know, you can put the word quantum in front of every single science that's out there right now. We have quantum astronomy. We have quantum biology. We have quantum statistics. Yes, it's even affecting math. And, and so the, the the influence of this way of thinking is extraordinary and quite profound. And it's um, this is definitely something that time has come. And that's why it's so important for people to pay attention and really soak up as much of this New way of thinking is possible because it really has the power to change and improve your world. Hmm. That's
0: interesting. I think I'm going to start a show called quantum psychology but I don't think we actually have it, and we should. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so there know, there
1: are people that have written about it. They, they have, uh, you know, they, I think they were claiming that I forget uh, who it was that first. Yeah, you know, there's a book called Quantum Psychology, um, and this came out a number of years ago. But what's exciting though is that we keep finding out more and more. So. This is a brand new field, you know, and it's ripe for exploration. So there's always room for one more good quantum psychologist, and, <laughs> and and we need those people right now. We need people to say, what does this mean, and how do you apply these quantum ideas to psychology? Absolutely.
0: Um, we're writing a book that, um, you know, is currently being uh, called, you know, how the phoenix soars. What happens when your personal phoenix soars? And I think that. Understanding the applications of science, the, the quantum science fields, and then moving into the application of quantum consciousness, and then tr- trying to understand what mystics have been saying for centuries and beyond, um, that we can travel to multi-universes, that the shaman that goes to ordinary reality and then fl- flips up to higher reality or lower reality, or the uh, um, the Swami that can go into different bi-locations and be with different disciples in different places. And these sorts of things have been recorded throughout written and cave draw, drawing times. When it's been recorded, mankind seems to have had some sort of experience with it as far back as we can determine. So it's, it's not something that's against what people have experienced, but it is um, odd in people's everyday vernacular and their skepticism because we have been brainwashed, I believe, to say, no, it can't happen. No, I can't visit Australia, France right now in this moment. No, I can't remotely view what's occurring under the ocean. We've been told no so many times that our quantum consciousness closes the door of observation, and if we don't observe it, It isn't going to happen, or we're at least not going to be aware that it's happening. But if we do start observing that these amazing things can take place, all the way from synchronicity to something uh, amazingly complex and bizarre by our old standards, then by the mere fact that we say, yes, it can occur, our actual ability to observe will allow it to manifest. Well, what do you think about that comment? (laughs) Well, absolutely.
1: I love it. Yeah, and I love the idea for your book too. That's so good because you're right. That is the path that shamans have been, you know, walking for millennia. Pretty much as long as the first peoples have been on Earth. You know, first peoples being the indigenous um, civilizations on this planet. And those indigenous peoples um, have had each one with their own unique traditions of wisdom of listening to the earth listening to the elements recognizing that there is a consciousness of all things and that we can they may not have used the word entangle um you know in their language but basically they were talking about the same thing that you can be one with which is coherence you can be one with the earth and then you can recognize that when something's happening with the earth you can feel it too in advance before it happens and you can also Respond to it and be influenced with it in a really good way, so there's um I, I just love that phoenix concept and and just the phoenix people don't know it rises from the ashes, and so there's this real sense of being reborn, which I think is powerful it's a, it's a not just a metaphor, it really is a reality for anybody that would like to you know just experience a sense of a fresh new beginning and to me that's very much this quantum concept also this this new way of thinking that you can be reborn that you don't need to be stuck in old ways just like you can have a spontaneous remission from disease you can let go of old ways of thinking that might not have served you so well you are not your thoughts you are your consciousness and there is a difference and i think i'm sure that's what you share with people when they read your book and and certainly that's what the shaman was all about. was helping people through dance and through chanting and you know doing rituals, and also just sharing that energy with them of of presence and awareness of merging with those natural spirits and forces of consciousness around us in the world um, and, and even things that we think are so simple, like gravity, it turns out probably that is a quantum. Uh, it's probably fully explained in the quantum realm. Gravity itself—it it has not been one of the better-behaved forces, let me tell you. So, um, you know, better-behaved in a the sense. <laughs> and there's some weirdness there, and so when Truth people are trying to not solve, not fitting
0: my formula. What's wrong?
1: <laughs> I know. It's funny when people expect, like, well, gravity is simple. Well, maybe, but there's something else going on. <laughs> something strange. But, but anyway, but the shaman would, would help people make um, find a connection with meaning. And, and, you know, it really comes down to meaning, because if you don't have meaning in your life, then it's just a bunch of disconnected facts. And if you don't have meaning, then it's hard to find purpose. And, and so really, um, information is wonderful, but the difference between information and knowledge comes from meaning. And, and that's what the shaman would help people um, recognize. That's really the, the significance of the phoenix, is recognizing that there can be meaning even in something that seems like a great loss like um you know that, that whole thing of being burned to, to ashes it seems like a tremendous sacrifice but the whole concept of sacrifice comes from meaning and when you recognize that what you've just gone through has meaning and what may have been burned to the ground and is no longer there and you can't reclaim it and you can't go back to it it's scorched earth that's okay because there's meaning And you can be reborn. And it's such a quantum way of seeing things. It's recognizing that you are your consciousness. You are not the person that just got fired, went through a divorce, your child just died, et cetera, et cetera. All these horrible, shocking events may have occurred, and it feels like your life is over. But it really, there's meaning there. And maybe it doesn't make sense right away. Maybe it may take the rest of your life to come to terms with what the heck that meant. Um, But if you know that there's meaning there, That can just give you enough strength to rise up out of those ashes, dust yourself off, and see like, okay, I'm still here. So what am I supposed to be doing? How can I best serve? What is my purpose? And and keep asking that question. I love how good can it get? Even if it's a cynical, skeptical, scoffing attitude, and you've got all you know cruddy attitude at the moment, ask it anyway. Just ask how good can it get? You know, no matter how bad it may seem. Because you really don't want to keep going downward it's time to go up.
0: Of course, that question is the assumption that it can only get you know it, it, don't don't limit how good it can get that's the assumption is that oh my gosh this, this is room for being better and better and better and better and better well I have you on this topic, you know going through my own and everybody else's going through their own existential depression their existential crisis of you know what is the purpose of life and why am I here? and Feeling that existential despair that, uh, who was it, uh, Kierkegaard, Hegel, they all just beautifully categorize, oh, or that existent life is nothing but meaningless. So what is the meaning of life? And I will tell you a synchronicity while you're thinking about the vast answer to that simple question, sarcastically said. I was sitting there contemplating while I was driving my car. Okay, universe, what is the meaning of life? And within a matter of milliseconds, a car pulls out in front of me, and the driver, the the plate says eight. I'm looking at it, E A I G H T, eight. Okay, fine, thanks very much. I'm glad you know me. Of course, you you put the eight on its side, in it's infinity. And you, you go on the Internet and you look at the, the, the number eight and its various meanings. And it, the intriguing thing is that it very specifically addresses uh, a, people's points of view of the meaning of life. So I was amused at the universe giving me the number eight as the answer to the question. I know Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has the meaning <laughs> right. of life. is 47, if I'm recalling right. No, or 42. There. I Forty-four. that's right, that's right, which is an interesting number in itself. Okay, so since you've given me enough time to come up with an answer here, what is the meaning of life in light of all this quantum exploration
1: and your own sense of it as you've been exploring? Well, for each of us, it's a different answer. When I talk about meaning, it's very personal, and it changes. So it's very much at that moment It might be like there could be a meaning for one's own life from the time they're born, and they felt like they've been driven since they could walk, and you know they started running, (laughs) hit the ground running. You know, some people really have that. They feel like they came in and they have so much uh, passion for that. And I'm one of those people. I've always had a sense that I, I loved for um, like even when I've been blowing out my birthday candles since I was ten, I was wishing the best for all concerned. I have a really clear sense that we don't win. No one of us can really win until we all win. That um, there's no such thing as clawing your way to the top. You know, stepping on people's faces and fingers as you climb the ladder. That doesn't ever pay off. That's a disaster. You know, that doesn't work. So what, what I'd love to see is this awakening of consciousness. And so I, I was kind of an unusual kid that way, and I'm, I'm very much on that same path. You because know, I, I feel like what, right from the time I was quite young, I remembered what it was like before I was born. That's what made me so strange. So it's kind of unusual. (laughs) Now, now other people, they've got different meanings, and there's nothing wrong with each person's meaning. You know, one person's meaning in life might be to make people happy and make them laugh, you know, just knowing, like, there's so much sorrow and so much sadness. And some of the people that are best at that, they've been through the greatest hardships and the the most Mm -hmm. horrible times, and they've, they've come through it with laughter as a means of, you know, finding the way and sharing the way. And that's their gift to the world. And, and they do such a beautiful job of that. So each person, you know, the meaning of life is spread across all of us. You know, each one of us carries a, a thread of it, and we weave it together. You know, so it's it's a little bit of joy, a little bit of happiness, a little bit of laughter. You know, it's live, life, you know, laugh, and love. It's, it's all of that. You know, it's all the good things that we love about hope and faith and charity and community and compassion. You know, people have all of these things as their meaning in life, and there's no wrong answer here. Mm-hmm. So mine would be hope It's just finding that thread that helps people, no matter how bad things seem, you know, find that exit. Like if you like that movie Matrix, you know, we need an exit, you know, when you hear the phone ring and they've got an exit out of that machine, out of that mm-hmm. often a nightmare situation. And that's what I believe in. I believe that anytime you look for that exit, that hope is always there. You know, it's not just me. It's the multiverse provides it. There's always an exit. There's always a way out. Consciousness is forever. And love, you know, is the highest good. So, but
0: the, the, and maybe the highest fuel. We may actually find that love is actually the fluid in which all of these quantums and uh, cortexes actually flow. But that's another question. <laughs> love right. is a,
1: it's like that that energy, energy. force needs. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that's probably what consciousness is comprised of is is mm-hmm. love because it seems like it's that thread that connects us that helps us stay entangled, that sometimes gives us that coherence so that we can all move together like we're in cahoots mm-hmm. though we've never met the mm-hmm. others. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you see this politically, you know, around the world lately, as different um, different people are recognizing that they have a lot more power than they thought and they're able to rise up together even though there may not have been that much organization although the internet does help of course and you know mm-hmm. but people are yeah. helping one another even though they've never met and so so meaning is something that's just been amazing recently you know if if you look around for it you can really find what you feel most passionate about and if people are listening and they say they don't know so just pay attention to what you get most upset about. What really bothers you the most? Because chances are that's a big clue. That's something you care very deeply about. There's something you'd like to um, to help honor, respect, and protect much more than has been the case. And so whatever's getting you upset, recognize you can be part of helping to preserve and maintain and help whatever that is prosper and thrive, whether it's the children, the environment, Old people, nature, animals, whatever it is that you really feel connected to.
0: You know, this uh, this whole world is also moving into a consciousness that, um, that you know, the near-death experience, afterlife experiences, the resuscitation medicines that are going on, um, uh, the the exploration into quantum consciousness as it seems to be related to um, after-death experiences. It, just, it, it strikes me that we can ride a, a quartz, a quantum particle of whatever nature, and that we could actually attach ourselves to it, tunnel through, <laughs> taking liberties here, tunnel through and go wherever we want to go. And when you talk about multiverses or parallel universes, and my experience with astral projection, the Akashic remote viewing, um, and uh, Trisha Lasage, she was on my radio show some weeks ago, and her capacity to travel between parallel universes of, of her own, the simulcast, so to speak, of herself. Um, these these are uh, I- intriguing capacities.
1: What do you make of all of those? I love Tricia Lasage's work uh, when she writes about traveling through parallel universes. That is absolutely. Um, excellent for people to read if they want to know what does this feel like you know when you go from one possible reality to another how can you tell Mm -hmm. and she writes about how she would be feeding some animals like birds and cats she would really notice the difference you know from one universe to another Um, and sometimes people too just noticing that things don't seem quite the same so what happens is the more you pay attention the more you're going to start noticing and, and I also love the way you mentioned the idea of the akashic records, and also especially near-death experiences. Um, in my book Quantum Jumps, I mention Anita Morjani, and I also talk a little bit about um, you know another near-death experiencer. Um, you know, because Anita Morjani is wonderful, and I, I love her story so much because when she talks about it, she describes she died in a hospital of mm-hmm. cancer, so weak that she could barely lift her head, and. Her family was rushing to be by her side because she was dying, and she wrote this book, Dying to Be Me. And I describe in my book, Quantum Jumps, the fact that when she got to that state where she could recognize there's no need to be afraid, and then she saw all possible life choices are in front of her, and then she realized that she could actually choose no fear and come back and be healed, um, which blew the the minds of the doctors that were in attendance at her bedside Mm -hmm. watching that she had just passed away, and now, oops, she's back let's run some more tests you know she obviously won't make it but it, but she came back from that near-death experience assuring the doctors i'm fine you'll see run the tests if you want but i'm getting better because i'm not sick anymore which in fact is the case and the other person i mentioned in my book is dr Eben alexander and he experienced a meningitis induced coma back in 2008 started from some sort of uh, e coli infection and he was a uh, an expert in the mind and the brain, so he's basically a brain surgeon, brain doctor, and he himself is dying of a brain-induced coma. And so when he had his near-death experience, um, that really woke him up also to the possibility that we have all these various, um, you know, possible lives out there. I think the person that described it better, though, of the two of those, would be Anita Morjani, you know, just because she could really clearly see that so many possible paths are open all the time to us, and we often just don't really recognize it. So that's that quantum consciousness, again, that, that Quantum Jumps is all about, bringing us to that place where you can be aware of who you are and start thinking in terms of that and recognize that you don't need to be afraid, that fear often holds us back, but it's not real. And you can... Sorry. Sorry. What? <laughs> Choices.
0: You're talking about us having choices. Yeah, making
1: choices. And, and that's what quantum jumps are really about. It's that every choice you make is a quantum jump into a new reality. You know, you're basically leaving behind, um, you know, that branch on the tree, the decision tree, where it just you just continued on the same as you always were. Every time you make a new choice, you've made a jump and you've left that branch behind. You're not the same person. If you start taking yoga classes, if you start meditating, you have completely changed your life. If you start listening to this radio show you know, and you're absolutely listening to Dr. Carol Francis and tuning in on a regular basis, you have changed your life and you are no longer the same person that you used to be. So that's, it's really good to know that. And, and that's what I love about the near-death experiencers because they come back and tell people about this.
0: You know, you're, you're talking about live outside your box. Look at your box and go, I don't like where that wall is. And expand that box. Leap out of your box. Leap out of your box and consider things that everybody else has told you are not true as possibilities. And then just try to take hold of those possibilities and make them happen with your thoughts, your feelings, your conceptualizations, your choices. And you know, you mentioned the video games. My son and I were just talking about a Stanley parable. And basically you have... So many different options as to how you're going to get to the end of the game. And there's an interfacing between the person who created the game and you. And it is such an example of choices and that we're (laughs) getting to the end of the game. You have millions of choices in the process of it. And if your particular choice doesn't work, you die and you come back and you do some more choices of a different sort. Um, And that is an interesting way of viewing self as opposed to um, one path, one set of choices, one set of consequences, make your bed and sleep in it kind of philosophy. Um, where do we go from here? I want to take you in so many different directions, and the pain of only having a few more minutes is vastly a reality I would like to jump over. Um, but where do, where do we go from here? What, well, do you I, want, I mentioned the placebo nurse, effect. Wait, wait. I,
1: I ta- yeah, I talked about the placebo, but I didn't go into it. And, uh, okay. To me, the placebo effect is such a, a clue, such a hint, such an indicator that we're living in these parallel universes all the time. That this is not something you don't have to be a shaman to do it to to cross between worlds. Um, you're doing you're doing this all the time, and, and and the reason I say that is because the placebo effect itself has um, been described as doubling just in the last 30 years. And what I mean by placebo effect, okay, I'll back up a little bit. Um, some people might think that the placebo is just a sugar pill if you've heard of it at all, and and that's true. That's one form of placebo effect because placebo is basically just this concept of, um, it, it started when researchers wanted to be able to have a control group to test the effect, efficacy of a, of a certain kind of treatment or remedy. And so they would give, um, the treatment group would get the actual medicine and the mm-hmm. control group would need to get something and in order for the the test to be similar, and so the the people conducting the study would then have these little sugar pills that they would give to the placebo group. And so, for example, if people are being um, checked to see if their headaches are going away because maybe they're migraine sufferers, um, or whatever it is that the medication is supposed to do, um, they'll they'll be checking in with the both gr- the control group and the placebo group to see you know how are things going. And what's very strange for a lot of researchers is, um, first of all, that that, just like I said, the efficacy of the placebo effect has been doubling. Um, Secondly, you can actually give deception-free placebos to people now. You can actually tell someone like me or you, like, you're the placebo group. We're giving you a placebo. But um, the good news is, placebos really do work for a lot of people. Used to be these things, the placebo would be 30% effective. The placebo is now hitting anywhere from, you know, 60 to 70% efficacy. So in some cases, placebos are more effective than prescription medicine in some of these drug trials. Um, but it's not just drug trials. And I should back up on this one, too, because most of us started off with a placebo effect when our mother or caregiver um, you know, saw that we'd had an injury. We we might have tripped and fallen down, and so they we were told that if you get a kiss, it makes it better, and that's the placebo effect right there. And and I don't want to belittle it. What I'm saying is, this is the power of the mind. You know, this is the power of consciousness because placebos are working for animals. Placebo surgery is being proven effective um, for arthroscopic knee surgery, for example. And also for things, um, you know, for quite a range of different kinds of surgeries, including um, Parkinson's disease, and in surprisingly the most positive results with placebo surgery for Parkinson's are some of the, the most serious cases of Parkinson's. And then um, also this placebo effect has proven effective with multiple choice tests in the uh, academic environment. So students that are taking multiple-choice tests on a computer where they're given you know, a question, sort of a general knowledge test, and they've got four possible choices to choose between. And in between the questions, there's some, something flashing on their screen. In the um, placebo group, the students are told that what's flashing on your screen is the correct answer. Actually, what they're getting is gibberish. You know, it's not a correct answer at all. Uh, what's flashing is just a bunch of random things, letters and numbers all garbled together. But it's um, it's flashing so fast that people's retinas can't really register what the image was. The students that are told um, you're getting the correct answers flashed at you, and they're also told um, on some level you already know the answer. So that's what the placebo treatment was for this group. And they did tremendously better. You know, again, you know that 30%, 40% improvement. And then one more example I just want to mention because it's pretty out there. Um, there's been observation in controlled studies that people's vision has improved by 40% with a placebo treatment. And you'll love this placebo treatment. What, what happened is they took people and put them into a flight simulator wearing a pilot's uniform and able to actually work all the controls in the cockpit and work with that flight simulator as if they're really flying the airplane. And the people that really wore an actual pilot's uniform, you know, with those little four stripes on the sleeves and everything, um, they did great. And they they came out of it, did a vision test, and their vision was 40% better than the people in a control group <clears throat> who um, got to sit also in, I think it was a cockpit, but they wore some other kind of jacket and their flight simulator, it was there, but it wasn't really working properly. So it's not like they were getting to really feel like a pilot. It was kind of like you're in the toy, but you don't have the quarter to make it go. You know? So, mm-hmm. so it's just the power of their imagination. And that that was a huge improvement in vision, apparently because people subconsciously believe that pilots need to have good vision. So, so I'm mentioning nasty. all this. Yeah, to me, this is a very clear indicator that something's going on. And you can say... Uh, yeah we don't know what the placebo effect is, and that's true but what i'm what I'm saying is um Harvard now has a institute set up to study the placebo effect that 's how serious this matter is becoming. You know people really want to understand what's happening with it and and to me it it seems pretty clear that what's happening is we are um actually jumping from one universe to another we're moving from one where our vision isn't so good to one where it's now forty percent better. Moving from um, you know have, getting a placebo surgery to a person saying, "Well, I've got the scars. It looks like something happened. I must be better," and, and suddenly they're better. You know, whether it was Parkinson's or um, you know they had that arthroscopic knee surgery before they couldn't walk, now they can play basketball with their grandchildren. You know, this is very real effects for real people.
0: Well, we see this in neuroplasticity of the brain and. Of course, Lipton's Biology of Belief has certainly has, uh, made that a lot more articulated or The Miracles of Emotions by Candace Pert, and I mean, there's just so many aspects that have been around and, um, in all sorts of ways. It, it, another one that um, I'm, I'm curious if you've experienced is multiple personality disorders or what's now called dissociative uh, personalities where uh, there are more than one personality that exists inside of a person, like they have different consciousness. And I remember the research on the neuro- neurology of this, is that interestingly enough, each of the different personalities might have a different a visual capacity, so that one might have 20-20 and one might need to have, wear corrective lenses. And it would right. be the same body, the same brain, but when we would actually take images of the brain and the patterns of it, we would see an entirely different configuration of the brain as per different personalities manifested, and that would change all sorts of things, the type of disorders, the acumen, the knowledge base, the vision capacity. So inside the same body are all these different consciousness that come out as man, you know, manifest as multiple personalities. And have we explored that as related to what you're talking
1: about in terms of multiple or multi-universes? Well, that's I would love. That's where I'd love to see quantum psychology proceed forward, um, exploring that exact thing that we do, working from the premise that we exist in a superposition of states, and with that with that model, much more than the biology of belief or molecules of emotion. Suddenly, recognize, oh my goodness, we really are moving between parallel universes, and you know this is a real example of it for sure. Let's let's. when you when you come from that perspective. It gives you um insights as to how to conduct further experiments, and I'm not mm-hmm. suggesting what should happen next but um and in fact i you may wonder why I didn't mention too much of that um there isn't that much research recently being done in this area that I could find. Right. I did look into right. it and it looked like there had been a great deal of interest turn of the century and then um even as recently as maybe the 1930s, but then it kind of fizzled out and i, I it mm-hmm. seems like our I don't know if that's thanks to our pharmaceutical, um, you know, the press forward to medicate everybody. I don't know what's going on there. Um, Because I I know if you medicate people, then maybe they can't jump between worlds so effectively. So you can damp down that effect. Um, I'm not sure what's going on. But I I think if you really wanted to look into it correctly and say, well, maybe it's possible that people really are traveling between universes, then instead of tampering with that and messing it up, you'd want to study it better. Um, but with their permission, that, that's something else that's changed is patients do have rights and you want to make sure that they have free will to participate. Now, when you work with someone with that many personalities, each one of them has a different philosophy about how open to participating they are. So that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. It, it does open oh. a can of worms. Um <laughs> <laughs> you're from Berkeley, so there's
0: the perfect place for a can of worms to be open, in my opinion.
1: <laughs> oh yes,
0: Sue, you are just a wealth of, of information, expanding us and and challenging us to to not only live outside our boxes, but here's some some equipment that we as individuals can say, okay, life is presenting us with the scientific um, paradigms in which we can feel comfortable and not feel like we're losing it because we're not being scientific. No, in fact, we can be scientific, mystical. Uh, living a, a powerful life within our emotions and thoughts and feelings and uh, really seizing opportunities that no one else has ever managed imagined before. William Shatner's idea of moving way beyond right, the Star Trek of awareness in the universes that we have to uh, seize beyond. I mean, we could just go on and on. Where do you want to end us? But it's not an ending. It's just a transition into their next program of life. Where do you take us, Cynthia?
1: Well, that question that where I ask, how good can it get, that's really mm-hmm. to uh, open it up for people to realize there are options out there. And, and my book, Quantum Jumps, has dozens, literally dozens of quantum jump starts, you know, little simple things you can do in two minutes to improve your confidence. Mm-hmm. That'll, and you can do something in just a few minutes that lasts for hours. And, mm-hmm. and once you start doing that a few different times, it changes your life. Um, You know, the thing I'm talking about right now is I'm referring obliquely to Harvard University um, psychologist Amy Cuddy and her research of, um, it's in the field of empowered, uh, excuse me, embodied cognition, which is a a psychology, and it's recognizing that when you do things with your body and you adopt certain poses, what she calls power poses, you increase your confidence, decrease your stress-related cortisol, increase your testosterone, which gives you confidence. Um, so therefore, if you're about to argue a traffic ticket in court or if you're going to go into a big meeting or if you're about to interview for a job, any of those three possibilities or many, many others, um, all, all, all you need to do is, be, in the privacy of the bathroom stall, for example, you don't have to do this in front of people, just stretch your arms out wide um, or put your hands clasped behind your neck behind your head with the elbows pointed out to the sides. These are things you can do. It's called a call power pose and just that mm. very simple thing. I know it's it's just embodied cognition. You're showing your body like you are the boss. It instantly mm. relieves the stress hormone, that cortisol. It boosts up your testosterone. The effect is going to last for quite a long time. You know, usually at least an hour or two. Much you know, as long as you'd need in court or in a meeting or pretty much, you know, an interview, anything you might be doing. And that's just one of many power poses. And I've got a picture, an illustration in the book that shows a whole bunch of them. Another one is leaning forward on the desk with your hands on the desk, just leaning on it. Another one is putting your hands on your hips. If you're seated in a chair, then you can drape one arm over the back of another chair. You can prop your feet up on the desk. Now, some of these things you really don't want to do in front of other people because um, they're alpha behaviors. You know, this is the kind of stuff you do... if you're in charge of a group. And so the reason I suggest do it in private before you go into the meeting, it's going to give you a huge shot in the arm of confidence without any of the downside of people glaring at you, like who does she think she is, you know. <laughs> so, so you're getting the boost of it without without the downside. And, and that's just one of dozens of examples in this book you know, of how to improve your relationships, um, a lot of examples of how to get rid of pain, you know things that people are actually able to do, how to feel happier, how to be smarter. You know, each one just takes a couple seconds or minutes. They they're not that hard and usually they don't take that much in the way of expensive resources or anything. So to me it's extraordinary how much scientific validated, you know, proof and evidence there is that you can really just do some simple things and make that jump into another reality. And I just want that's what I want to close on. So I want people to know how easy this really is. You know it's not that difficult, and if you think like, well, this is great if you're a shaman. No, we're all doing this all the time. Mm -hmm. Every single one of us is doing this when you make a choice. That's
0: so exciting.
1: Make make the shift.
0: Get this book, folks. Quantum jump. Yes, it is brain expanding. You have to be cognitively present while you're reading through it because it's dense. It's complex. It's sophisticated well-researched, easily put together so that you can use it in a moment or digest it over a longer period of time over and over and over again. And Cynthia Sue, you also have uh, audio tapes that they can listen to. Everything's available through Amazon.com and also through your website,
1: RealityShifters.com. Is that correct? That's right, yes. And I've got a newsletter too. So if people are still wondering, like, I want to find out some more, then go to the website and Look at my newsletters. Uh, you can browse and see everything there. But you're right; it's all the books and the meditation CD are also at Amazon.com, and there you can look inside the books, um, listen to the audio tracks, and look at the reviews, see what other people think. Yeah, and you're even on Spotify. That's where I found your audio. <laughs> oh, excellent! There you go. Yeah, so you didn't
0: know that. Oh, I'm so glad you have had this very valuable time period with you. Thank you for hanging in that very strange time, time glitch that we had, which I thought was funny happening to you in particularly in <laughs> light of what we're talking about, which is that don't limit yourself to time, past, present, future. Don't limit yourself to space. Live as far as you can possibly dream and imagine because you'd be surprised what realities actually do manifest right then and there. And Cynthia Sue is there to help you as a life coach and to walk you through way beyond. So don't live in your limit. It's just not as much fun as going way beyond your limits. Thank you, Cynthia Sue. Mm, thank walk you fun. so much. Best to each of you, expand yourself, expand the people you are around you with a spirit of love, giving, and curiosity.
1: If you're there, I just want to say thank you. Thanks a lot.